Welcome to With Heart and Wonder. This is a place for us to explore heart-centered living and to celebrate what it means to live with wonder, with awe and appreciation for the possibilities that are within us and around us. I'm Megan Johnston, and I am truly so honored and excited that you are here. Let's dive in and journey together. Welcome to episode 26 of With Heart and Wonder. Today I have the deepest pleasure of introducing you to a dear friend of mine, Ashley Bowden. Ashley is a self-sabotage coach who uses a trauma-informed approach to help others move from self-sabotage to self-support. She has such a gift of seeing the greatness in others and helping them see this greatness in themselves. Ashley, I am so excited to have you here on the podcast today. I mentioned this when I reached out to you by email not too long ago, but you were the very first person I thought of having on the podcast, and so I'm glad that we could finally make it happen. Mostly the delay has been on my end, Um, so I'm so glad to have you here today. I'm so excited for us to chat all about being seen and seeing ourselves and to talk about self-supportive practices. Um, So do you want to start just by maybe giving everyone just a little bit of an orientation to you and your work, anything you'd like to share about your journey and what has kind of led you to this moment in time where you are right now? Wow, that's a really big question, Megan. <laughs> it is a little bit of a big one. <laughs> but yeah, you know, just like uh, it's shorter as long as you like, really. Yeah. No, I'm totally cool with it. I'm totally cool with big questions. I love it. Uh, yeah, so I'm Ashley. You know, obviously we've met, but for anyone who's listening and doesn't know who I am, hi, I'm Ashley. Uh, I work with women to coach them through shifting from self-sabotage to self-support. It is the work of my heart and it comes from a very intimate place of myself, like really sort of wrestling through multiple forms of self-sabotage and often feeling incredibly overwhelmed and defeated. Like I do not know how to stop these cycles that I'm in and and tried so many different ways to get this, the help and the support, but really just sort of struggled to find it. And so when I was able to finally shift a lot of those patterns and behaviors, not through harshness, not through white knuckling, but by actually learning how to see myself and how to support myself on a core level, uh, I knew that I wanted to help others do the same. And so that's really what has shaped my work and uh, I'm really grateful for it. And you really do have such a compassionate and mindful and um, like a an approach that really I think celebrates the wholeness of, of who we are, all of our complexities and imperfections, all of our contradictions. And I think really learning to engage with all of the parts of ourselves with with love and with curiosity and with wonder. And that's what I love about your work. I think it is, is like you said, um, this like really gentle and, and compassionate approach. And, and you kind of contrasted that by white knuckling. And maybe we could talk for a moment about 
I mean, maybe it would be helpful to just chat a little bit about kind of what self-sabotage is and get really specific of like some of the ways that that could be manifesting for people, Mm -hmm. as well as like the difference between taking an approach that is a little bit um, more intense, a little bit um, maybe less compassionate. And, And yeah, let's start there. Okay, cool. Yeah, so self-sabotage is any sort of behavior or pattern where you set out to do something and then you ultimately hold yourself back from doing that very thing. And a lot of times, like the majority of the time, it is completely subconscious. And so it can show up as things like procrastination, perfectionism, people pleasing, uh, and many other ones, several other ones. Uh, And normally, you know, self-sabotage is sort of painted as this, um, I don't know, like this character flaw, character defect of like, oh man, like if you could just get it together already and just stop doing that, then you would be okay. Um, But my approach to self-sabotage is that it's ultimately a self-protective mechanism and it's a way to keep yourself safe and the experiences that you've lived and the trauma that you carry are sort of what shape your self-sabotage and help you to stay safe and so it's incredibly complex it's incredibly unique to the person uh it's incredibly layered and what i love to say about self-sabotage too in general is that it is actually a gift because it helped you find safety at a time when you couldn't and it has gotten you to this place and that in your self-sabotage, there are gifts and strengths. And I think, yeah, that it's not always been painted that way, but that is actually the truth. And one of the things I love to get people to do is like show gratitude really to the part of themselves that has really fought so hard uh, to keep them safe. So that's a little bit about what self-sabotage is and how it can show up. But a lot, often the way that people respond to self-sabotage is that white knuckling or harshness or fixing. It's ultimately this idea of like, if I just try harder, if I just work more at this, if I just ignore it, like if I just get it together, um, then like maybe I can stop. And then the difficulty with that is that when you are harsh, with your self-sabotage, it deepens your need for safety. And so then you're actually uh, only cementing the cycle of self-sabotage. And so how white knuckling could look practically, like that could look like something like, um, you know, like a lot of dieting is white knuckling. You know, you feel stuck in a cycle that maybe you're not happy about. um, And then you use like restrict, like intense restriction through dieting to, sort of white knuckle your way to wholeness and it just doesn't work so that I feel like that's a pretty prime example that either people can relate to or they can um, they've definitely seen people close to them uh, walk through that journey yeah absolutely I think of as well like sometimes when I'm teaching a more restorative yoga practice or 
or really talking about rest or, or even breathing exercises is the difference between like the energy that we bring when we're forcing something versus when we're softening into it. Mm-hmm. And I think that approach of, of force can sometimes be really, like you said, of this mindset that like we have to get over something and do anything we can Whereas I really love everything that you shared about, in a way, like softening into the fact that our our self-sabotage mechanisms that we've developed, like we're really adaptive and that our bodies and brains are like so resilient and have adapted to keep us safe and that there are these gifts and lessons. And I, I love that you're opening a conversation for people to, to really dive into that and to start to see themselves and maybe things that they think as character flaws to see those through a new light. And I think your work, your current work, as well as some of your, your past work with Imperfect Bosses has so much been about helping people create spaces and practices and communities as well to like really see themselves. And so I wondered if we might spend a little bit of time chatting about this idea of like seeing ourselves fully and wholly and what that looks like and and how where we might be getting stuck. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I it's obviously something I love to talk about. Um and I think that you know, when we even just talk about the topic of being seen, that it can bring up a lot of things for different people. You know, it can bring up a lot of people carry fears around being truly seen. Yeah. Um, and we, you know, we can kind of carry like a lot of stories and baggage around that. And I think part of that is because um, if you have any wounding at all, from your early years with your like family of origin, uh, that is ultimately the place where you are first seen and where that desire is first sort of created. And so if you experience anything growing up where you were either hurt in that place, you were maybe ignored in that place, um, you just weren't celebrated or believed in in that place, it's like those, all of that can really just conjure up these fears of like, I cannot be, like, it's not safe for me to be seen because those things will happen to me. Uh, and that like was definitely a part of my story. Uh, and I was so afraid for so long to see myself and to be seen by others specifically uh, like up close and in intimacy. Uh, and I think it's important, like probably the first thing I would say is that it's important to even just sit with those questions for yourself of what comes up for me when I think about being seen? What am I afraid will happen if I'm fully seen? Like where are places where I'm hiding from myself? What do I wish people would see in me and what do I wish they would never see? Uh, And to sort of get like, almost like you're just sort of getting an idea of where you are at, almost like on this map of how I feel about being seen. 
Yeah, yeah. And and I think I I will always remember having uh, a conversation with you um, after the Imperfect Boss Camp that you organized and created and, and orchestrated um, back this fall. And we've had a few guests who have talked about the camp before on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and after the, pa- the, the camp and asking you what your experience had been like and, and you sharing that it was a gift to to let yourself be seen up close. And I'll, like those words to me just felt so potent and powerful, this idea of seeing ourselves up close, letting others see us up close. And and like you said, the like the intimacy around that. And you've definitely done so much to to cultivate communities where where people feel comfortable being seen up close, which is such a gift. And the work that you're starting to do more and more now around self-sabotage, I think, is in so many ways an opportunity for us to really see ourselves up close and mm-hmm. to, to like really dig in like you were talking about. And you launched earlier, uh, well, it'll be last week, you launched uh, a new quiz, a new tool which is, is interesting because our last guest um, was Lena, who I know that you know. And Lena was chatting uh, about the, the tools that she's used and, and like the, the gift of like assessments and personality tools. And I know that what you're offering is, is so much more than a personality tool. It's really a way to get clear um, on, on our self-sabotage as well as an opportunity to start to think about how we can start to bring healing to some of the, the areas in our life and, and past wounds and past patterns. Um, I'd love to hear about the quiz and the origin of it and like where this idea came from and mm-hmm. and talk about um, like some of the different types as well would be really great. And the quiz was so much fun. We'll definitely link it in the podcast episodes. Um, there were so many fun questions in addition to the serious <laughs> ones. Yeah, I loved the one about what kind of fruit are you, especially. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I felt like I had to pepper in some fun questions because some of the questions were so intense. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. So when I started like really diving into the work of healing self-sabotage and I was working with clients uh, and I just realized that there were co- like really common themes, almost like common archetypes of self-sabotage. And I basically just thought about it and thought and really pulled out eight when I first started the quiz I actually had 12 um but I ended up really drilling it down to the solid eight that you'll see now uh in the quiz uh and I wanted it to be I wanted it to be a supportive tool because a lot of times people might you know they likely know they're self-sabotaging they might even know like kind of what it looks like, but they might not understand why. Yeah. And they might not understand how it's actually operating. Uh, and so the quiz is really like this. I wanted it to really be like this point of like compassionate awareness of like, let's see what the, you know, what is your main go-to self-sabotaging type and let's peel back the layers and learn how, uh, it's operating, the effects that it's having on you, what 
has probably happened in your history that has sort of helped form that and uh, you know like what are the gifts involved with that as well and uh, there are eight types uh, and so I'll I'll share a couple of them uh, the what the type that I am uh, is called the shamer that was and me too when I took your quiz yeah was it it was yeah, it's one of the top ones. It's been interesting to just to see the data, what the top ones have been. But uh, that type, it really operates under this idea that I'm only safe when I feel bad. Um, and a lot of times this type, if they, you know, feel good or if they are starting to experience success, they will sabotage that by... Um, doing something that gets them back to that place of feeling bad. And this likely could just come from, you know, like growing up and, and maybe not having the opportunity to feel good, um, being not like not being celebrated when things were going well for you, being heavily criticized, uh, things like that. Uh, another big type, it was interesting actually, probably the top type out of the people taking the quiz so far is the assumer. Okay. It was surprising to me actually, but um, the assumer is, you know, I feel safest when things are familiar. And so this type, you can really tell someone's operating in this type by the way that they talk or think. So they say a lot of things like, like I'm not gonna get that job, so why try anyway? Or, I'll never be good at that. So you might as well give up on me now. Yeah. Um, it's basically like you just, it feels safer to just assume how things are going to go, how people are going to respond to you because it's familiar and it feels incredibly unsafe and incredibly vulnerable to take a risk on yourself and to, yeah, sort of be led into that unfamiliar space. Um, and it's really, to me, it's really a type of control of like, I need to control my experience in order for it to stay familiar so that I can stay safe. And I guess uh, that idea, if we're like playing it safe by assuming mm -hmm. kind of the worst case scenario, we're controlling it mm -hmm. because we're, we're not opening ourselves up to the possibility that yes, things could go really well, but we're just focusing on the fact that they probably won't. So we'll, we'll, we're like, we're, we're kind of like keeping ourselves. I, I like that idea that you're saying as it, it really being about control. I think a lot of people can probably relate to that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then I'll, I'll, I'll go over one more, one more type. The people pleaser is also a really common one. Uh, the people pleaser is I feel my safest when other people are happy. And this type, you know, can often operate in an intense fear of being disliked and of not being accepted, of not belonging. Um, and this one, you know, can usually really be tied, you know, up in someone who had experiences earlier in life of, um, of you know, like having to take the blame when someone else was upset, of maybe being responsible to emotionally caretake for those around them um to experiencing like yeah some pretty uh 
some pretty intense levels of criticism. And so in order to respond to that, the people pleaser says, let's just focus on making sure people are happy and making sure they, they still like me so that I won't have to face that again. Like I won't have to face criticism. I won't have to face uh, blame. I won't have to um, face any of the those sort of intense feelings that can come with that stuff. Yeah. And so eight types and it was like, it was you you've created this beautiful guide that's so rich in thinking about the types and and the origin stories and the healing supportive practices um and it was a lot to read through and and i think probably a lot of people who were doing the quiz were kind of and reading through the guides in the eight different types like in some ways you can see yourself in all of the types right and and I know that like the one type is a dominant type but we might have other types as well like in my case um I was reading through the guide and and I the the my result was really the shamer but I definitely know from reading the guide and thinking about myself that I also am like very much have patterns of the overthinker as well and that Mm -hmm. those those two kind of come together so even though we might be able to like see ourselves in all of the types like what are the kind of the benefits do you think of of like really honing in more on our dominant type because I think like a lot of people maybe will say things like oh I'm a perfectionist or I overthink or like I am a people pleaser you know um, and they might identify with a lot of them but I, I think there's there's like something really rich of like like in a way I'm almost wondering I guess like is the dominant type in some ways like almost like the root of your relationship with the other types Mm, yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, something I have been exploring a little bit is that there are certain types that often show up together. Okay. Um, and they're rooted, and they show up together because they're usually rooted in the same thing. So, for example, the procrastinator, perfecter, and overthinker usually are operating at some level on the core wound of I'm not enough in what I do okay so hence I'm not enough in what I do so let's make it perfect let's overthink it let's Let's do more yeah um whereas like the shamer people pleaser and overworker are likely operating out of a core wound of I am not enough in who I am and so because I'm not enough in who I am I got to make sure everyone's happy I got it not feel too good and or I'll like just overwork to like prove to someone or to prove to myself that who I am is enough. And so I find that normally like because because one of the things I talk about in my healing framework is that you can start to play with like mapping out what your cycle of self-sabotage looks like. And normally like if you're operating in one, you're going to see multiple self-sabotaging patterns show up in that cycle and so there it's definitely like they're all very connected um i would i would say that normally not normally not someone would be operating in all of them yeah (laughs) um but definitely if there can definitely be a few and they could definitely partner together um and i think that they're it's helpful though to know your top one because when you know your like most dominant one 
it can give you an idea of the other subtle ones that are at play by looking at those common partnerships. And then it can help you start to really map out that cycle. And why I think mapping out the cycle is so important is because once you can learn how your self-sabotage operates in your unique way, then you can know things like, I'm starting to spiral into this, or these are like cues that it's about to happen, or these are triggers that, you know, are really common for me to like sort of send me into the self-sabotage cycle. And then it allows you to be like, how, like, when is the fastest? When is, how soon can I intercept this cycle with self-support? So then it sort of takes you off the um, hamster wheel of the cycle and allows you instead to move forward and experience some growth. Yeah, so it's really about encouraging and, and developing and nurturing our own kind of self-awareness so that we know how to care well for ourselves in the in the moments that we need it the most. Yeah. Are there some practices for so I mean I definitely like everyone listening should go take this this free quiz and and check it out it's it's a really incredible resource are there some core practices of self-support that are are great practices across all of the types that you might be able to share yeah so uh in my in my framework for how to heal self-sabotage in the step of healing I talk about what I call the power four for healing. And so all of these four are self-supported practices um, that can really help move the needle. Basically, when you're looking at healing self-sabotage, you're ultimately looking at healing roots, um, not managing the behavior, the self-sabotaging behaviors, but healing the root that led you to self-sabotage in the first place to form yeah. Um, and so I'll talk about two, the two most important ones to me. Yeah. So the first one is inner child work. To me is the most significant one in terms of really like restoring a lot of healing to yourself. Because the way, often the way, you know, that I mentioned before, the way self-sabotage is formed is from early life experiences that were painful or traumatic. So that is ultimately still pain that our inner child might be carrying. Um, and so by doing inner child work, you know, meeting the younger parts of us with compassion, doing the work of reparenting, um, just, you know, really giving those younger parts of us an experience of love, like an unconditional love and acceptance, belonging, letting those parts of us be seen and truly heard um, help to heal those wounded parts of us, which then if the more that those wounded parts of us get healed, the less intense the self-sabotage needs to fight for us. Um, and so Can that's, I? yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah. Can I ask a question? Because I think so some people might be really familiar with inner child work as, as a tool and a framework. Um, 
and there might be others who this like idea is like kind of new for and I actually it was really interesting for me because when I took the quiz um, the hardest question for me to answer was the question I, I forget exactly the wording of how you framed it but it was the question about like childhood experiences mm. and it was hard for me to answer because I didn't really like fully identify with any of the answers but I know for a lot of us like the pain that we experienced as children like sometimes it's really raw and at the surface and really fresh and other times I think there's this experience this is just my own intuition so I'd love to hear your thoughts but there's this intuition of like suppressing that a little bit Mm -hmm. um and and even like like maybe it's pretending that it didn't happen or like reframing it or like like self forgetting some of of what our childhood experience is i know sometimes when when i talk with people and ask them about their childhood like they just like can't really remember much at mm-hmm. all and and i i think that is so tied up with with self sabotage and so i would just love to chat for a few moments like for anyone who doesn't really know what their their kind of like like childhood experiences were that were painful like is there anything that you can share around that Mm -hmm. yeah I mean I don't think I mean I don't think necessarily that you have to go like intensely excavate your past um in your childhood if that's not helpful for you okay it might be um but instead, like I would look at a, a sort of a supportive way that you can sort of begin to understand and know, even just notice um, the parts of you that might still be holding on to pain from the past. Yeah. You uh, just like just like lovingly notice what situations. Um, almost like trigger the mo- the strongest emotional response in you. Um, so is it like when there's conflict or when someone is critical or when you're rejected or when something didn't go as well as you hoped or when someone's like nitpicking you and just like notice like any intense responses where it's like all of a sudden you feel like, so angry yeah you feel so sad or so overwhelmed and I think that as long as you're like somewhat you know in touch and connected with your emotions that that can be one helpful way um, to to sort of figure out wow like there must be some wounding around here and even if you don't remember like receiving a lot of criticism but when someone does that to you and you feel like this sense of grief almost in your chest that's like a good indicator um, that that's like a wounded part of you from a long from long ago. I I really appreciate that um, that kind of invitation to explore like our somatic experience, like what's happening mm-hmm. in our body and and the emotional experience and. And I definitely, I I so identify, it's only actually in the last year that for me, and it's in part because um, in my relationship with with my partner, Eric, like he's kind of pointed it out a little bit. Um, And and that has brought so much awareness for me, but that my most intense reactions um, 
in in relationships with others Mm -hmm. are are when I don't feel heard and Mm -hmm. like that awareness of that like when I feel like I'm not being like seen and heard in my fullness like it's it's that is like what really like like everything within me feels so mm, I don't know what the like I guess like alive (laughs) with um with um, pain, I guess. And, and, um, like at times like frustration and anger and sadness and grief. And so even just like that little awareness, like you said, of like starting to notice the thing that, the thing that creates the most intentional response in you, like it's definitely been really helpful for me, like even just to understand like why I'm getting worked up and that there is a wound there and something to explore. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes too, like if you, if you can't think about it, definitely you could always ask (laughs) one of someone you're in a close relationship with, whether it's like a partner or a friendship, uh, because likely, you know, they may, they may be able to notice something that you can't see. Yeah. Well, thank you for that little sidetrack down, um, talking about kind of childhood wounds and 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 working with the inner child i think you were going to share a second practice with us from your framework yeah so the second one is self-compassion and i i feel like this really does uh, it really goes along with inner child work because to me both of them are about you know awakening and sort of activating a loving sort of this loving nurturing force towards yourself um or this like yeah like a really loving and compassionate presence and that's to me what self-compassion is showing yourself immense love and you know whether you're doing that through how you speak to yourself like leading your yourself through self-compassionate dialogue or showing yourself compassion through action through different forms of self-care and nurturing, self-soothing even. Uh, And why that one is so helpful for healing is because we created self-sabotage because we didn't feel safe. And we self-support because it reclaims our sense of safety. When we can show ourselves compassion, when we can validate the things that we're going through, when we can Uh, pour out kindness on ourselves, it becomes this beautiful uh, reclamation of safety of like, I may have not felt safe in the past, but in this moment, I can feel safe with myself right now. Yeah, and what uh, a beautiful space that is to be. I, I really... I really love the idea of thinking about like immense love, like not just love for ourselves, but like the like realizing and recognizing I think that we are deserving of of not just love but immense love. It feels like such powerful wording for so many of us who I think in many ways like you know your your framework and the work that you're doing really is pointing people to the fact that their self-sabotage is is coming back to like this very idea of um, their own feelings of 
of unworthiness and and it all roots back to love and to this idea of being able to see ourselves deeply and fully to see ourselves up close to see ourselves through the eyes of love so i so appreciate you sharing those practices when thinking about kind of like really tangible actions that people could, you know, walk away from the podcast today and, and maybe give a try, do you have an example or two of um, the types of tools that people can use as they're starting to cultivate more healing, more self-support, more compassion in their lives? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, definitely too, if you do the quiz, you'll get like um, in the guide, there's a healing action specific to every type. And so I like using those because it's so specific to your type, but absolutely general ones. uh, There, I would say two of my favorite general ones are uh, checking in, just simply checking in with yourself. And so normally I will close my eyes and like put, my hand on my heart and just ask myself a question and normally I'll ask questions like even just I'll ask how are you or I'll ask what do you need right now or I'll ask what do you hope for today just to at just to check in with yourself and see see what's going on for you so that you can support yourself best the best self-support comes from that initial place of check-in yeah uh and then the second one which i'm like literally obsessed with i feel like i talk i feel like i talk about this on every interview but uh (laughs) self-holding and i know megan you're into that too i Uh, sure am (laughs) (laughs) but using like compassionate loving touch to to just not only like self-soothe and you know it helps with the nervous system but also to just bring a sense of nurturing and loving action to yourself. You know, I, I mean, touch is so, so powerful. Uh, and we, it's crazy to me, like just how, especially right now, I mean, with COVID and everything, like we could let go so long without human touch. Um, and that this this remembrance almost that you can like offer that to yourself, whether that is something like your hand on your heart or uh, a lot of times I'll like sort of like brush my hair back with my hand softly or just like lay my hand even on different parts of my body and just like allow myself to feel the grounding of that and to feel um, this sort of sensation of being truly loved. Yeah, and I mean, there's like so many possibilities with with self-touch too. I mean, I like love the gift of of like self-massage with with the hands or or with massage balls and um and and the holding, the self-hugging. Like there's so many yeah. ways that we can express how we want to be in relationship with ourselves. I think that's one of the reasons I really love it because it's like it's a way to model like like kinesthetically, like in our bodies, the type of relationship we want to have with ourselves and to really embrace that softening rather than forcing because we're, we're treating ourselves with tenderness. 
it's it's actually like one of the really big things that I've been working on in the last year within myself has been like realizing that and recognizing that like for most of my life I've been searching for love outside of myself and I don't mean that in like the romantic sense but just in general like the feeling of of love and support that I've looked to others for the for to give me that feeling Mm -hmm. and so it's really been my journey in in the last little while of like like well what would it look like if instead of looking to others for that love I what how do I need to show up for myself in order to give myself the love that I'm looking for and that has been like like such an empowering reframe for me because it's it's it means that really like in any moment I'm now in tune with the the possibility that I can give myself what it is that I'm looking for and I think that is one of the beautiful things about all of the um, the work that you're doing to help people journey deeper into themselves to recognize patterns of, of self-sabotage and self-support and ultimately to to really think about how they can love themselves in the ways that they're searching for love I think that is just such a powerful gift yeah yeah absolutely is there any like last words besides like go take the quiz but any last kind of like thoughts that are on your heart maybe to leave listeners with today for something to carry forward I think that the thing that I would really like to leave you with like if you walk away with any like with anything from this conversation I think the thing that I would love for you to walk away with is that your self-sabotage is simply a way to stay safe and that the best way to respond to your self-sabotage is through gentleness, compassion, kindness, gratitude even, and that you can sort of replace all of that harsh hustle for wholeness with this sort of like open palms softness and that that will heal you actually so much faster than working at it like a like a million miles per hour what a powerful thought that is and and i think a really beautiful visual that idea of the open palms this gesture of of receiving and and being open to to the possibilities that are inside of us thank you so much for being here today ashley and for sharing your wisdom and your love this work that you're doing i think is is so powerful and i think it's truly transforming so many lives and it is such a blessing i think that we have you in this world so i'm i'm so honored to know you and and so grateful to have you on the podcast today if folks want to stay in touch what's the best way that they can reach and follow along in your journey yeah you can definitely follow me on instagram at ashley.bowden or check out my web home at ashleybowden.com great Thank you so much for being here. And uh, I hope everyone 
is maybe a little more inspired to, to tune into their hearts and to, to get curious about ways that they can bring a little more self-support into their days and their life. Well, that's our interview today with Ashley Bowden. Thank you so much for being here as part of the With Heart and Wonder community. It is always such a gift to come together and share in these conversations. If you want to keep the conversation going, head on over to my Instagram account at Megan L. Johnston or my website, meganjohnston.com. I'd so love to hear what your self-sabotage type is and how you're working to bring more healing and self-support into your life. Um, The quiz will be in your episode description, wherever you're listening to this, whether it's on Spotify, on my website, on Apple Podcasts, you'll be able to find it there. Wishing you such a wonderful rest of your week. Let's all keep living with heart and wonder.